The exopolitical state of the planet heats up with Ukraine and Israel-Palestine. An interview with L.A. Mazzuli on the Nephilim, Upats, Reptilians and how that applies to events in Israel-Palestine. Star Nations news on the hub and the Negumak. NASA announces that humanity will never visit Jupiter. Ancient tunnels under the Gaza Strip date back to Sargon of Akkad. There's the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance. Is it genuine disclosure or another CIA soil? The Arrow Office creates a portal for government, military and corporate whistleblowers to disclose UFOs. A meme on the deep state controllers being magicians. The Pentagon press conference on UAPs announces its reporting tool. David Grush calls out the Arrow Director. The Arrow Director is about to be replaced and we have the 30th and 31st nations to sign on to the Artemis Accords. You're listening to Exopolitics Today with Dr. Michael Sala, your source for the uncensored truth regarding the human, extraterrestrial, global, and political agenda. Click the like button and subscribe to this channel. And now, here's Dr. Michael Sala. Welcome to Exopolitics Today, the week in review for November 4th. There definitely were a lot of events this week that are newsworthy. So I started the week with the announcement for my next webinar, which is going to be called the Exopolitical State of the Planet, the Ukraine and Israel-Palestine Wars, Manufacturing World War II, the Battle Over Consciousness and Extraterrestrial Disclosure. That's going to be held on November 25. I'm going to do a deep dive into the exopolitical dimension behind current world events. And so you're going to get to see exactly how it is that ETs, ancient artifacts, factor in to these events that are happening all over the planet and what it means for disclosure and the rise of consciousness on the planet. So you can join me or sign up for November 24, November 25. Just visit exopolitics.org. Okay, so here's a roundtable discussion I did with uh, other members of the Galactic Spiritual Informers Connection where we talked about the, the conference, the very successful GC conference held in Orlando, Florida, from no, from October 20th to the 22nd. You can get a recording of all of the um, all the presentations. They will be made available. I'm not sure when that will be done, but they will be made available on the uh, GSIC website. And you can get a kind of preview of what it was that everyone discussed by just visiting uh, or watching this particular YouTube. So the Galactic Spiritual Informers Connection Conference. And again, for the links, just go to my Twitter feed, twitter.com. I don't know when they're going to change it to x.com, but twitter.com forward slash Michael Sala. Okay, here's an interview I did with the always interesting L.A. Mazzuli. That was on Nephilim, Upats, Reptilians, and the Israel-Palestine conflict. So LA has uh, specialized in focusing on the Nephilim and Upats, these ancient out-of-place out artifacts that 
are very suggestive of ancient civilizations and giants. Now, uh, LA focuses on giants that were described in the Old Testament as cannibals, as going against the word of God or Yahweh, however you want to describe it. And, you know, there were lots of wars and battles, David and Goliath hunting the Moabites and the Anakites and all of that stuff. So um, LA kind of like uh, does look at the giants as the progeny of the Nephilim. Uh, my perspective on the giants is that they were good guys and bad guys, just like humans. And the, the, the good ones, uh, they really aren't well represented in the Hebrew scriptures. And that's probably not a surprise if you take the perspective, which I do, that Yahweh was one of the one of the Anunnaki, he, that he was in fact the chief sky god Enlil. And uh, yeah, the Anunnaki were very competitive with one another, very jealous gods, just just as described in the Old Testament. And what, what I found fascinating with uh, the material that L.A. presented was that he discussed or he believes that some of these Nephilim are underneath the Gaza Strip and that they are part of the conflict. So that's a very interesting uh, perspective on the Israel-Palestine conflict. And uh, I, I think he's got some, he's onto something there. I think there truly is a angle to that, that some of these uh, Nephilim fallen ones are playing a role in this, in this conflict. And of course, you know, my perspective on the Israel-Palestine conflict is that it's, you know, we shouldn't look at it as a binary conflict. On the one hand, you have the Palestinians, Hamas, and on the other hand, you have the Israelis. But I think there is a distinct third party which is um, manipulating both sides. So that's that's something uh, we discuss in that particular interview. So. You can watch that. Just go to exopolitics.org. So here's a uh, the latest. Uh, this is the second Star Nation news update from Elena Danan. And uh, she talks about developments in our, in our solar system and beyond from the perspective of the Galactic Federation of Worlds and extraterrestrial disclosure. So she talks about the hub. She talks about... Uh, the the Negumak uh, joining the Galactic Federation of Worlds, which is a big deal because apparently these Negumak, which are these giant uh, insectoid beings, that they are the uh, same beings that was represented in Independence Day 2 and that they are the mortal enemies of the... Uh, draconian reptilians, that those two have been duking it out for thousands of years, kind of like in the in the Predator versus Alien movies. And, and for an accurate representation of the Negumak, if you saw uh, the Independence Day 2, the, the queen of the aliens there, that is a Negumak. So they apparently have joined the Galactic Federation and so they are now on the side promoting freedom uh, and uh, the kind of like combating the the tyranny of the deep state and the and the draconians. So very interesting developments, according to Elena. So you can go to 
her YouTube channel to watch that. Okay, so here's, I thought, a very interesting synchronicity that just as Elena in her News Nation uh, and in the update I did with Thorhan Aredian um, a week or two ago, I did a conversation with Thorhan where he answered some questions uh, about the uh, about the the hub. Uh, actually, that was uh, that's uh, something that we've we've covered in some interviews, uh, conversations, and so the hub is being constructed around Jupiter in the atmosphere, and it's going to take another two to three years apparently to complete. But lo and behold, just as you have this information coming from Elena Danan saying that the hub is going is is going to be completed as a diplomatic and trading and place for tourism, for uh, humans wanting to work with extraterrestrials just above the, uh, high above Jupiter, that you have this announcement uh, saying that uh, NASA announces that humans will never visit Jupiter. So to me, this is just a sign of the whole deep state versus the white hats conflict. I mean, we are truly in high gear and I will be talking about this um, a few more times throughout this week in review, that right now, behind the scenes, the White Hats and the Black Hats or the Deep State are, are fighting a ferocious war over disclosure, over how much to reveal. I, I think the White Hats want to get as much out there as possible because they want to prepare humanity for what's coming because what's coming cannot be stopped. And that, of course, is the activation and the appearance of the space arcs, the arrival of the uh, positive extraterrestrial fleets. And the deep state wants to keep all that on the back burner because they know if they just have all these events unfold rapidly, they can manipulate it to maintain their power because they thrive with fear and confusion, whereas the white, white hats want to get people up to speed, get them informed, and and to become optimistic for for what's coming. So, so the wars the wars happening right now. Uh, the hub is one of these projects that would bring great hope and optimism about the future. So the deep state wants to quash that, and the way they do it is to say, well, you know, NASA announces that we will never visit Jupiter, not possible, and um, and and of course, that's trying to preempt uh, these announcements about what's really happening above uh, the above uh, Jupiter. And uh, this hub is going to be something very similar to the space station described in Deep Space Nine. So I think that is something to look forward to, and it is coming despite what NASA is saying. Now, here's a fascinating mainstream article that points to some of the tunnels under the Gaza Strip dating back thousands of years as far as Sargon of, a uh, of Akkad. So Sargon of, of the Akkadians, he was the one that established the Akkadian Empire that uh, took over from the Sumerians. And they began building tunnel systems and mining. Uh, they just took over the complex mining and tunnel systems that the Sumerians had built 
on behalf of the Anunnaki. And so the Akkadians took that over. I mean, obviously, very, very profitable uh, mines. They worked the mines, uh, pulling out gold. And the Akkadians uh, worked with the different Anunnaki. Of, of course, Sargon of Akkad, I think he was uh, working with uh, Enlil. Enlil, around the time of Sargon, was, was dominant by that time. We're talking, uh, actually, I'm not quite sure when Sargon of Akkad came up came onto the scene, probably around 2,500 BC, something like that, uh, that Enlil and, or Marduk were in charge of Earth, that Enki or Prince Ea had, had left. He left around the time of the Great Flood. We're talking 11,600 years ago. So ever since that time, it was uh, Enlil, Marduk and Enlil's son, Ninurta, that were in charge of Earth, running things here on Earth. And so Sargon of Akkad supported Enlil, who was a worshipper, and they you know, built these uh, mines and tunnels all over Palestine, Israel, and around, around the kind of civilized world at that time. And uh, this is when you, you have the giants or the Igigi also being involved in um, the settlements, uh, that's where you have in the Old Testament describing the the battles between the the giants or the Nephilim and the ancient Israelites. So uh, this is fascinating that this article came out supporting that there are ancient tunnels under the Gaza Strip, and I thought that was very interesting because it does support what L.A. Mazzulli was claiming that right now under the Gaza Strip, some of these Nephilim, some of these uh, ancient giants are working with one of the sides in this conflict to perpetuate it. And as to who their loyalty lies to, I think a lot of them are loyal. These giants probably under the Gaza Strip are probably loyal to the Enlil faction. So fascinating uh, development there. Okay, here's something fascinating that has just been announced. This is the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance which has just been launched involving a number of Hollywood celebrities, directors, producers, networkers, and they believe that Hollywood can play a positive role in disclosure. And certainly that's true. I mean, Hollywood uh, stars, I mean, you have people like Goldie Horn recently getting in the news for their extraterrestrial contacts, Shirley MacLaine, uh, her book, out on a limb, talked about extraterrestrials. So there have been a long line of Hollywood celebrities that have talked about extraterrestrials and contact. Uh, but by and large, Hollywood has been part of the psychological warfare program that's been waged against disclosure. That the CIA, we know from the R Robertson panel, dating back to January of 1953, that the Robinson panel issued a report called the Durant Report and that it recommended that the entertainment media industry uh, debunk the flying saucer information. So right there, you, you have it in black and white how the entertainment industry, including Hollywood, radio as well, uh, news, television and so forth, that their job was to put out this propaganda that flying saucers were 
not real or that they they ridiculed the phenomenon. They said that the real threat from flying saucer reports was that foreign enemies could manipulate the public's gullible belief in flying saucers and that posed a national security threat. And it's very interesting, if you think about it, that back in 1953, the CIA arranged for the Robertson panel to put out this report saying that when it comes to flying saucers or UFOs, that it wasn't that the UFOs were a national security threat. It was the public's gullible belief in these flying saucers being extraterrestrial that made them a national security threat because the Soviet Union could manipulate that to the detriment of the United States. And now we've got a 180. Now we're being told that, yes, UFOs are a national security threat because they're flying over military facilities and near military exercises and they are undoubtedly a national security threat and we need to get ready. And so you've got the Pentagon that has established the Arrow Office. You've got NASA that's established an investigation. You even have the White House with a UFO working group uh, being headed by Jake Sullivan. And so it's quite clear that um, the emphasis now is on getting the public up to speed that UFOs are a national security threat. So Hollywood, what role is the Hollywood going to play? Is it going to be a positive one, which I'm, I'm sure everyone that's part of this Hollywood Disclosure Alliance, I'm sure they want to uh, promote genuine disclosure. Uh, Stephen Bassett, I think he's a, a key figure in this organization. And uh, Steve definitely is someone that has been working hard for UFO disclosure since the 1990s. But on the other hand, the CIA has been very good at manipulating Hollywood to promote its agenda. So now the agenda is, yes, we want the public to believe in UFOs as a national security threat because we have something in, in, in mind for you and you know, our agenda is not good. <laughs> so that is, I, I think, what we are all waiting to see exactly how this kind of new mainstream narrative that UFOs are a national security threat how that's going to play out in terms of some hidden agenda. Okay, so here's an announcement, a announcement that the Arrow Office, that's the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, has established on its website, it's created a portal now where government, military, and corporate whistleblowers can actually submit what they know or what they experienced concerning UFOs and that can be submitted in a secure environment. And you know, and it's very important. This is it's worth emphasizing here because people who have worked for the government, for the military, or corporations that have need to know access to reverse engineering projects concerning uh, extraterrestrial spacecraft or contact with non-human intelligence, they all sign these non-disclosure agreements. And these non-disclosure agreements are binding. But because of the National Defence Authorization Act for 2023 that was passed, it had whistleblower uh, protection that as long as the whistleblowers submitted what they knew to the Arrow office, they could do so without violating their NDA. So the deep state is very, very concerned about this because you know this is this is going to break the dam of secrecy. 
but at the moment, the Arrow office has not been very forthcoming in what the whistleblowers have been saying. But but the mechanism has been put in place for whistleblowers to be able to report to the Arrow office and they can do so safely and they're not violating their non-disclosure agreements. So that's a very important uh, development. But the question is, are the whistleblower reports getting through the Arrow system? And as I will sort shortly present, um, it has not been happening, but that is about to change. Okay, so here's something again from Elena Denan. She posted this meme. So you've got these uh, characters around the table here. So uh, I wonder if, if they are representative of the diversity, equity, inclusion um, agenda. So, yeah, okay, you've got an alien here. You've got a female here. And, you know, maybe you've got some other transgender types here. So <laughs> we, we – so – this is in conformity with diversity, equity, and inclusion. So this is a roundtable of magicians, and they know. Okay, so this is what the meme is. These people are magicians. They know that human consciousness co-creates reality based on what the mind believes to be true and real. This process is amplified when instilled in the crowd consciousness. They are wanting... They are projecting what they want into your mind, so you build it. I mean, that is a very profound statement right there. That is how black magicians operate, that they will suggest things or present a reality to you. And because it is presented uh, through your media mouthpieces or media shills, to be more correct, and the Hollywood entertainment industry, then the public accepts that as the new reality and manifests that. So now, you know, we are seeing that right now with the whole UFOs are a national security threat meme. That is what the deep state is pushing. That is presumably what Hollywood will be pu pushing, that these are a threat. And that is setting up whatever it is that the deep state has in mind for its agenda. But of course, there is a war behind the scene, behind the scenes involving the deep state and the White Hats on the, the pace and the extent of disclosure. Well, so here's more about the press conference and its new online reporting tool for military personnel and contractors. So David Grush, and he's the kind of star whistleblower who testified at the July 26 hearing before the House of Representatives Oversight Subcommittee on National Security. He called out the Arrow director uh, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick for falsely claiming that he had reached out to Grush. So in his presentation or in his, his statements before this press conference on October 31st, uh, Kirkpatrick made the claim that he had reached out to David Grush on several occasions to hear what he had to say and that Grush had not responded to him. Well, David Grush responded saying that uh, this was a lie, that uh, response from David Grush, here you have uh, from UAP News, response from David Grush, the, the Dr. Kirkpatrick, who said that he reached out to Grush to four or five times this year regarding his claims with no response. So Kirkpatrick is saying he reached out to Grush four or five times, no response. Grush is saying that he that he's made attempts to communicate with 
Kirkpatrick on several occasions and never got through. And so here's the transcript of the press conference where Kirkpatrick comments on comments on reaching out to Grush but not hearing but Grush, but not hearing back, which Grush denies. So there you have a example of how the Arrow office is not working as it was intended. I mean, the Arrow office was intended and set up to receive UFO reports, but also by law, because of the National Defence Authorization Act for 2023, was supposed to hear from whistleblowers and to allow them to testify to the Arrow office and then decide how much of that is going to be publicly released. Well, here you have an example of that system not working because Sean Kirkpatrick, the current head of the Arrow office, is giving people like David Grush the runaround. And so how many other whistleblowers have approached Sean Kirkpatrick and he's just simply not acknowledged them, not acknowledging them, or he's not following up with phone calls to hear from them. So it shows that the Arrow office at the moment under Sean Kirkpatrick is not working as it was intended uh, by law. And that's very important. So more, more on that soon. All right. So here's a roundtable discussion I did with uh, Tony Rodriguez, Elena Danan, Alex Collier, and myself um, the day after the uh, Galactic Spiritual Informers Connection Conference. So this was on... October 23rd, so it was just released, and we discussed remote viewing, and it is well worth watching. Now, it begins with Tony Rodriguez, who talked about his experiences in being trained as a remote viewer when he was uh, 10 years old. He was taken to this location in um, near, right next to China Lake called Inyakern, and he was subjected to MK Ultra and tortured, and that there were other children like him that were being tortured but trained in remote viewing. So someone had the bright idea that you know children are gifted, or children, if you put them through this MK Ultra routine, uh, you can enhance whatever natural abilities they have for remote viewing and get them to produce good results for you. Um, through whatever protocol and mechanisms you've developed for remote viewing. So Tony Rodriguez, uh, he explains what happened. He explains that he went to Inga Kern and took video and photographs of some of the buildings that he had previously described. So you know, people are always saying, well, where's the evidence supporting all this? So Tony Rodriguez, he had gone on the record way back in 2016 uh, in our initial five parts interview series, and he talked about uh, what happened at Ingerkern. Uh, but since then, he's elaborated on that uh, extensively. So here he went uh, a couple of weeks before the GC conference, he went to Ingerkern, and lo and behold, some of the very buildings that he remembered being held in captivity and being tortured in, and where he was instructed and trained in remote viewing were still there. So that was very emotional for him to take those photos and video and present that at the conference. So here we discuss his data and, yeah, remote viewing was not just 
taught to adults, you know, in a way that is described in the kind of like declassified foyer uh, information on Project Stargate and Grill Flame and so forth. But there was also a secret or classified program involving some people involved in the founding of these remote viewing protocols in subjecting these kids to this kind of MK Ultra, uh, but training them in remote viewing. So very disturbing. Now, this is where we get into a discussion with uh, Elena Dadan, Alex Collier, and myself about remote viewing, because Tony, he found documentation saying that there is a way to shield projects, personnel, craft from remote viewing. So, so that, in other words, those that are involved in these remote viewing projects know that uh, you can remote view just about anything. Uh, but of course, they were very concerned about, well, what if the Chinese or the Russians are remote viewing our sensitive projects? Uh, is there a way to shield our technologies from them? And, and sure enough, they develop technologies for, for being able to do that. And so Tony Rodriguez found documentation showing that you can actually shield targets from remote viewers, which sounds logical. And Elena Danan says that, yeah, this happens all the time with the Galactic Federation, that they actually create these shields around their ships because they know that uh, people, humans and others, draconians, others, uh, can spy using remote viewing. But there are ways to shield your, your craft, your sensitive facilities from remote viewers. Now, this is very interesting because uh, we discuss the Farsight Institute claims that their remote viewers can break through this shielding. I, I did an interview with uh, Dr. Courtney Brown uh, about a year ago, and I brought up the case of Ingo Swan, uh, where Ingo, Ingo Swan was remote viewing uh, these aliens on the far side of the moon, and Ingo Swan was up there. And the aliens saw Ingo, and he just skedaddled out of there. He just got out really quick because there was danger. And the handler, the CIA handler, said, yeah, that was a good thing because you, you could get hurt uh, by these aliens if they follow you back or you know, they see you. Now, according to Dr. Brown and the Far Sight Institute, that is the old way of doing things that they can break through whatever safeguards, whatever protocols, they can, get, they can get in the face of the aliens and remote view them and interrogate them. And that's, you know, that's, a, that's a major claim. I don't know of any other remote viewing project that makes that claim. And I have spoken to others, um, the, the, the crypto viewing, Duke uh, Ulgaya, he... Uh, on this issue, I, I believe that you know, if there's any kind of threat or danger, it's like, you know, get out of there. So, you know, is this true? Is this real? Can Farsight, unlike many other remote viewing uh, projects, break through whatever shielding or whatever kind of like uh, mechanisms aliens have to present or prevent humans from remote viewing them? Can they do that? According to Elena Denan, they cannot. 
And according to this document that Tony Rodriguez dug up, that there is, in fact, a shield that can be used to protect oneself or one's targets from remote viewing. So, you know, this raises the question, well, what are what is happening then? It, we have a lot of these Farsight projects ostensibly showing these extraterrestrials kind of like unwillingly being interrogated or being remote viewed. Is that real? Are these are the is that deception? So very important question. Um, I know Farsight and uh, Dr. Brown say that no, this is genuine. You know, we can truly interrogate ETs using remote viewing, and there's no safeguards. They can't stop us. But on the other hand, there's a document, the information from Elena Danam, and others suggest that yeah, there are shields, and I would weigh in on that on that side of the argument that there is shields. There are limitations to remote viewing, but it's a very interesting debate, and at some point. I will be following up with Dr. Brown and we will have a discussion about this, but fascinating topic. Okay, so let's move on. So here's an announcement uh, about the discovery of white hydrogen deposits as new and as a new energy source. So here's this article and it, it discusses uh, how there were different organizations that went hunting for fossil fuels and they found something called white hydrogen, which is essentially a pure form of hydrogen that can be easily converted into a, an energy source. And apparently this goes back many decades that these uh, white hydrogen deposits have been found, but they were kind of ignored because people were looking for fossil fuels. And so what's, what's left unsaid here is that, oh, okay, so all of a sudden white hydrogen is like the new kind of uh, alternative energy source. And this has been around for decades. So the, you know, the, the un, what the point I was making here is that the fossil fuel industry was suppressing this, that this was suppressed for decades. Uh, but now the fossil fuel industry, probably because of solar power, and what, what other energy sources are coming, are suddenly behind uh, white hydrogen as a energy source. So very interesting that you, you can have the fossil fuel industry uh, suppressing certain types of alternative energy for, for decades, but then a day will come and, and, then, and the, this alternative energy is rolled out as like something new, but in fact it's been around for decades but was suppressed. But now... White hydrogen is the new energy source, and so they are going to apparently move forward and start developing hydrogen-powered cars. So, you know, that's going to be very interesting. Okay, so this is what I was alluding to earlier. This is the looming replacement of Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick as the Arrow Director because he was simply failing in the job he was assigned to be a good faith vehicle or intermediary for debriefing whistleblowers with information about UFOs, about non-human intelligence that 
are in the that were being studied or in various classified projects that he was supposed to be the intermediary to hear those whistleblowers and decide what would be what would be released you know pumped through to congress or even publicly released but he was failing in that i mean he he was criticizing whistleblowers like david grush he was not at all forthcoming on how many whistleblowers had come forward to talk to him i mean we know from other uh, investigative journalists such as Michael Schellenberger, that there were at least 30 other whistleblowers that had reported to the Arrow office or were reporting or were willing to report what they had known. But apparently this there was a logjam at the Arrow office and sh- Dr. Kirkpatrick was the problem. He had become a, gate, a gatekeeper and he was discrediting whistleblowers like David Grush who were coming forward. So... Because of a backlash, well, a public backlash, but I think more importantly, because white hats in the system had lost faith in Kirkpatrick. Because I think Kirkpatrick, he was put in a sensitive position, to be fair to him, that I think you have this struggle between white hats wanting the disclosure process to go forward, that that wanted that put in place the... Uh, reporting mechanism they put in place the National Defense Authorization Act for 2023 where whistleblowers were given protection to come forward and and to disclose what happened regardless of their non-disclosure agreements but on the other hand the the black hats wanted to suppress all this so I think uh, Patrick was put in that position Uh, the, the black hats were very happy with him or the deep state were very happy with him but the white hats set up the system. So they set up a system that could be uh, very important for having whistleblower claims come through the system so that they could report to the Arrow director and those reports could eventually be reported to Congress and then they could be released into the public arena. But Sean Kirkpatrick was put in place by the deep state. But I think this was what the White Hats agreed to because they wanted the process, they wanted the, the reporting process to be set up. So now Arrow has its website. Now the reporting process is there for whistleblowers. So everything is set up. So now uh, uh, it can be, you know, bye-bye, uh, Kirkpatrick. We, we don't need you being a gatekeeper anymore. And he's going to be replaced. And I think the new uh, person replacing Kirkpatrick will be much more forthcoming on what is going to or, or what the whistleblowers have re, have been uh, revealing so this I think suggests points to uh, once Kirkpatrick goes and his replacement is is in place then I think we are going to see much more coming forward okay so here's an, another announcement uh, important about the Artemis Accords, the Netherlands and Iceland are the latest signatories to the Artemis Accords. That brings the total to 31. In my last announcement, uh, Germany had joined. So these accords are important because they acknowledge the primacy of the United States Space Command and NASA in organizing spacefaring nations to safely explore, exploit and colonize space. So that is very significant because it is consistent with claims that were made in 2021 
that agreements had been reached with different galactic organizations, the Galactic Federation of Worlds, the Andromeda Council, the Ashtar Command, the, the uh, Council of Five, that the United States Space Command was put in the leadership position for organizing the space affairs of our planet. So that was what was revealed in, two, in 2021. And what we have now with the growth in popularity of the Artemis Accords, we have corroboration for those claims. And I think that is something that needs to be acknowledged, that uh, this supports the claims that Space Command has been made the, the primary point of contact for galactic civilizations in terms of the spacefaring activities of all the nations on Earth. But China and Russia uh, were unhappy with that decision that was made in 2021. And so you can read about that if you go uh, in, to my book, Galactic Federations, Councils and Secret Space Programs, and also Elena Danan's book, uh, uh, We Will Never Let You Down, where we talk about these Jupiter Accords. And China and Russia were very unhappy with this. And this is reflected in the fact that China and, to a lesser extent, Russia are behind an alternative to the Artemis Accords, uh, which is uh, China's Lunar Research Exploration Program, where they're trying to get uh, various nations to sign on. But so far, they've, they've gotten uh, very few nations to sign on. I mean, there are a few like um, uh, like Pakistan uh, that that have signed on, uh, Belarusia uh, that have signed on that very that bring very little. Uh, to these, whereas, of course, you know, the European nations, I mean, the, ne the Netherlands is, um, uh, you know, the, it has a space program. Germany, of course, is a heavyweight when it comes to, to space. So this, I think, is a good, is very good news. The Artemis Accords are growing in popularity and strength, and it, it does cement the United States and Space Force and Space Command in particular in this leadership role. And I think that's a good thing. I, I think we, we do not want China uh, to be a leader when it comes to space because China, uh, unfortunately, its political system is totalitarian. Um, and we don't want that. We don't want those values to be what is exported into space. And, and certainly, I, I, I think while we can be critical of, of certain U.S., policies around the world, I think as far as space is concerned, I think the Artemis Accords and Space Command, I think they want to establish things on a, on a good foundation, a proper foundation. I think the Star Trek uh, model is a, is a good one. And so I think the Artemis Accords deserve support. Now, this was very revealing. This uh, came out on November 3rd. Uh, there's an article here in the debrief that reveals that the United Kingdom, just like Australia and Canada, is not pursuing the UFO UAP issue seriously. Unlike the US, where you know there are multiple entities investigating UFOs. As I said, the, the, there's the Pentagon, there's NASA, and even the White House 
uh, all have investigations into UFOs. So why is it that the United States are taking UFOs seriously, have multiple investigations, but the United Kingdom, Australia, Canada are not taking this issue seriously? Well, I think the answer is that uh, those nations are still under the control of the deep state uh, as far as the UFO issue is concerned, that in Britain, Australia, Canada uh, and New Zealand, uh, that's also part of the Five Eyes nations, uh, that the deep state, the black hats, are in control of the UFO issue. They don't want it to get out. Uh, because they want to hold on to this strategy of the deep state, which is to keep all the UFO information kind of hidden for as long as possible, because that way they can maximize confusion, uncertainty, and fear when everything is released. So if you do it all at once and dump all the information at once, oh, you know, extraterrestrials are here and uh, they got have these incredible technologies, we don't know what their agenda is, and if you disclose all of that in a very rapid way, in a way that confuses and creates the fear factor, then you can manipulate the general public. And I think that's what the strategy is of the deep state. And they're not, they're just, they're not just doing it in the Five Eyes countries, aside from the US, they're doing it in other countries as well, keeping all of this, all the UFO information on the back burner. But in the United States, the, the White Hats do have a lot of influence. I mean, they are pushing the envelope. They are pushing this issue forward despite the deep state's efforts to uh, keep all of this under wraps. I mean, we, we have these multiple investigations in the US. We also have Congress passing legislation and this 2023 uh, UAP Disclosure Act. I mean, it is important. It is significant because it sets up the process that the White Hats want for revealing everything. Of course, the deep state controls the personnel that are put in place, uh, but that's to start with. Once you have the mechanism set up, once this UAP Disclosure Act for 2023 is passed and it appoints a nine-person review board, then the deep state will try to manipulate it. But the White Hats, once it's all set up, then they can arrange to have their people put in positions just like they are doing now with Sean Kirkpatrick, who was a deep state appointee. But now the process has been set up they're going to replace him and they're going to have a white hat come in. So you can expect a white hat to become the new Arrow director. And I think this is the process that we're watching in the United States because the white hats want to reveal to the American public and the world, prepare them for what is happening concerning the extraterrestrial visitors, concerning all of these issues that are very important to prepare the public for what's coming. The deep state is doing the opposite they as i said they they want to keep all of this kind of secret because that suits their agenda well that is it for the week in review for november 4th as i said there will be a uh, webinar on the exopolitical state of the planet for uh, that i'll be doing on november 25 so just go to exopolitics.org to learn more about that and to register and of course, uh, make sure you like and subscribe to the 
platform where you're watching this so that way the work can get out very important for youtube because the algorithms do suppress a lot of this content so thank you all for watching this and aloha you have been listening to exopolitics today with dr michael sala please remember to like share and subscribe to this channel join or start a conversation in the comments Take the time to explore the vast library of best-selling books, webinars, and podcasts by Dr. Sala. Visit exopoliticstoday.com.